You're listening to The Healthy Sensitive. Welcome, everybody, to The Healthy Sensitive, a podcast for highly sensitive people and introverts who want to live big and stay sane and healthy in the process. I'm Leah Burkhart, hostess on the show, HSP, introvert, health nut, goofball, and as it turns out, a sort of bahumbug Scrooge when it comes to Christmas. (laughs) So... I don't know about other highly sensitive people globally or universally, but the most of the experience that I have when I meet other highly sensitive people and I start talking about Christmas is I, I get a, a conversation gets rolling and pretty soon we just sound like a couple of grumpy old people. You know, you can practically see us waving our canes up and down and like, I'm damn whippersnappers. You know, we'll start complaining about, oh, the commercialism and the chaos and the traffic and the, and what in the hell is it about having to wait for one day out of the year to be nice to each other anyway? What is that? That's so stupid. Just be a decent human. You see where this is going. (laughs) Well, anyway, I decided, so it's been really interesting this year. I've, I know I've mentioned many times throughout the course of the last say, a few months worth of episodes that I moved out of my home state into a new space and it's quiet and I live alone. Well, not really. I have a dog and a cat, but it's just very, very peaceful. And don't get me wrong, as much of a bah humbug as I might be about Christmas specifically, I do, as it turns out, really like people. (laughs) Um, But I just love living alone. I love the serenity of it. And I think it may be in some, at least in some small part, because of the fact that I've had so much cushion and space to myself that I've started to get a little bit more reflective and I've started to surrender to the beauty of winter. I don't know if I've mentioned this in any past podcast before, but winter has historically been my roughest season. It's a combination of the fact that winter for many years that, well, many years, I'm not that old, but for many of the years that I've been alive, it's been a time when I haven't slept super well. It's been a time when my stress goes up. I think a big part of it, at least I I ascribed a certain amount of it to, to, I, to mm, the justification that I gave for it or that the reasoning behind it was, well, maybe it's dark faster. I'm not getting as much vitamin D, which is known to be linked with a number of good things. And I'm not getting as much exercise, try as I might. I mean, I'm still being deliberate about it, but it's just easier to be out and about when there's light out. And of course, as a young woman, you know, just going out into the big bad world when it's all dark outside, there's a sense of foreboding to it that may not be present for all men as well as women. Or to the extent it is true for men, I think it's true less often and it might be less intense. Um, This is some amount of speculation that I'm making here, but these are some well-founded theories, if you hypothesize. (laughs) Anyway, so some of my grump, my stink around Christmas might just be stink around winter, or at least I'm thinking that might have been a connection. And what I'm realizing, 
now that I've gotten an opportunity to slow down, is somewhere along the way, I started to ease up on winter a little bit. And I would even go so far as to say that I've begun to really appreciate it. I'm going out and I'm going on long walks in the dark. I've got my phone on me and quite frankly, I can run pretty fast. So if someone wants to come out and snag me, you know, good luck. (laughs) See if they can keep up. And I'm looking, it's especially true right now because where I live, there's just trees everywhere. And there's something elegant and dark, yes, but beautiful about seeing these trees that are naked. They have no leaves on them, covering them up. And you'll see the moon kind of cresting through these winding, rickety branches. And it is dark and it's a little menacing, but I'm beginning to embrace that aspect of myself. And so I'm looking outside of myself and seeing it as beautiful. It's very, very interesting. I figure, oh, and PS, my sleep has been great, knock on wood. And so I'm thinking in all of this, since I'm making peace with winter as a general rule, I thought, well, maybe, I wonder if it'd be possible to make peace with Christmas. Is it really so bad? And so I've started going out and just sort of walking around and seeing Christmas lights on in on houses. And there's a sweetness to it when you just, I mean, someone has gone through all of the trouble to put decorations out on their front porch, their front lawn, their trees, their whatever, for no other reason than to bring someone else joy. It's a kind of generosity. In fact, it's literal generosity. They're having to pay the electricity bill for that. And maybe it brings some joy to themselves too, but they're not the ones primarily looking at their own decorations. It's just being put out for their, their neighbors and for anyone who walks by. And there's nothing imposing about it. There's no expectation around it. There's no, hey, sign here on the dotted line and we'll let you see our Christmas lights. It's just, hey, I decided to make something beautiful for you. Please come by if you want to see it. And I've even seen it in some of the public spaces. So there's Christmas lights that are all lit up near the hospital that I work for. And it looks lovely. And I go to the park that's downtown. There are Christmas lights all over the park. Once again, no expectation. There's no, you know, pay here and you'll get an opportunity to see the lights. They're just there. And again, there's a sweetness to that. And so... Another element that's been kind of neat, so as I mentioned, I don't have to, like, I'm going to be here during Christmas. I didn't go home for Christmas. I Some family is coming up to see me. Talk about a great Christmas gift. And I was thinking, you know, I wonder, since I'm so bah humbuggish about Christmas, and not because I have any beef with giving people gifts or with other people giving one another gifts, It's more of a, but why do we make it such a big deal? It's so commercialized. It was lovely before at a certain point when Christmas rituals could begin the day after Thanksgiving, but we're starting to see it the day after Halloween. I mean, come on, why? Wait your turn, Christmas. (laughs) Anyway, so as the nerd that I am, as the nerd that I am. Wow. 
given that I am such a nerd, might be a better way of saying this, I, of course, thought, well, let's begin with the history of Christmas. Where does Christmas even come from? I, have a ge- I had general ideas about that and sort of little splotches worth of history, but I didn't ever actually go through and just, like, map it out. What led to what and why do we have Christmas today? So, how did Christmas start? Uh, evidently, the middle of winter has been a time when communities all over the world have celebrated. And for good reason. It's cold as puck. <laughs> there's not a whole lot else to do. And there's a kind of, whew, we're still here. It's cold outside, but it's warm in this tiny little space that we've all gathered together to sort of gather around. Whew, at least we have each other. There, it's a kind of reflection. Now, for me, whenever I think about Christmas, I think, like, my God, it's turned into this over-the-top, just, ugh, just laying it on thick with the music and the festivities, and the, it just seems like so much. Leave it to a highly sensitive person to say something like, oh, I don't like the amount of stimulation. <laughs> um, anyway. Evidently, though, celebrating during the wintertime has been a thing for many, many moons. It used to be the case that they, we, we as humans celebrated the winter solstice. So the idea is it's cold, it's dark, we've reached the darkest point of the year, and now we get to celebrate because the sun is coming back. As an example, in Scandinavia, the Norse celebrated Yule from December 21st, so that's the winter solstice, through January. Through January! Like, so, ten friggin' days! In recognition of the return of the sun. So, people would feast until all of the logs, because they'd bring many, many logs, until all the logs burned out, which often could take even beyond ten days, could take as long as twelve days. Uh, I guess the Norse thought that each spark from the fire represented a new pig or calf that would be born during the coming year. So all of that over the top I guess that's been happening for a while. <laughs> um, the, the end of December was a really good time of celebration in most areas of Europe. At that time of year, unfortunately, many of the livestock that people owned, they, they didn't have the resources to keep feeding them. So they took that opportunity uh, as a time to slaughter all of the animals and then eat them. Now that might sound really calloused and cruel, but would you rather an animal die and be eaten or would you rather an animal die from starvation? Because that's what it was boiling down to. The upside of that for the humans involved is this is probably the first time all throughout the year they had a fresh supply of meat. And of course, in addition to the meat, they'd have wine and beer, which was made during the year and was often finely fermented and ready for drinking around this time of year. Uh, In Germany, people honored the pagan god Odin. Um, It was during the midwinter holiday, and I guess Germans were pretty terrified of Odin. (laughs) They um, they thought that this god made like nocturnal flights around to observe his people and make sure they weren't doing anything naughty. Kind of makes you think about the ter- the phrase, he's making a list and checking it twice, gotta find out who's been naughty or nice. Maybe it wasn't just from Santa Claus. And now that brings us to Saturnalia. So in Rome, when winters were not as harsh as those in the far north, so Saturnalia was a holiday in honor of Saturn, so Saturnalia. And this was the god of agriculture. 
and beginning in the week leading up to the winter solstice and then continuing for a, a month after that. Saturnalia was a hedonistic time. So if you know anything about hedonism, it's all about food and drink and pleasure and plenty. And here's this Roman social order being completely flipped on its head. So business and schools were all closed so that everyone can join and just have a blast. And then of course, around that time is the winter solstice and the Romans observed juvenalia. I think it's juvenalia or juvenalia. I don't know how to pronounce it. Sorry, folks. But it's a feast that honors the children of Rome. So it's kind of cool because this is the members, at least the members of the upper class celebrated the birthday of Mithra, the god of the unconquerable sun. So you can see there's all these different cultures all over the world that are celebrating during winter. So there's something apparently kind of primal in us that wants to gather together and celebrate and be a little over the top and a little crazy. Maybe some of it's just that we are legitimately stir crazy. I mean, it's been dark and cold and miserable. And so it's like, come on, let's like, we're all looking pale and pasty. We're all looking a little thin or, <laughs> you know, uh, let's, let's come up with a reason to celebrate all that we're able to have, all that we've achieved. So that brings us to, you know, the day that Jesus was born. Most people that I know are generally pretty clear about the fact that you know, there's no evidence to suggest that Jesus was born December 25th. It's just the day that we celebrate his birth. And fun fact, leave it to the Puritans, by the way, evidently Puritans pointed out the fact that there was nothing written in the Bible that indicated that he was born on the 25th. And they tried to use that as justification to completely remove the holiday. I might be a complete bah humbug, but I would never tell anyone else that they can't have their fun. If they enjoy going out and shopping and ex wrapping things up and putting gifts together and sticking it under a pine tree, good for them. I have absolutely no qualms about it. My only beef is when I have to, when I'm being forced to participate. You know, fun fact, I don't like being forced to participate in anything. <laughs> Not even, it turns out, a party. So Puritans take it about 50 steps further, and they say to everybody, no, no one should be this decadent. No one should be this hedonistic. We all just need to be boring, awful, mean, spiteful. I'm being a little judgmental right now, but anyway. So evidently Pope Julius I chose December 25th to celebrate Jesus. Um, it's commonly believed that the church, church chose that date in an effort to adopt the traditions of the pagan Saturnalia festival. So it was sort of like a, well, we're all kind of gathering around and celebrating anyway. Why don't we just stick it right there, right in the middle of that big festival? That seems like a good idea. I mean, it's pretty close to the, the solstice. And if you think about the story of Jesus, it's, there's a, it's a lot about hope, you know, death and rebirth. And that coincides with Jesus dying and then being reborn the winter solstice is about winter ending and spring coming back. So it's a lot of, there's a lot of parallels there. Uh, anyway, so then evidently there was a point when Christmas was canceled. That was a thing. So it was in the early 17th century and a religious wave of reform changed the way Christmas was celebrated. And then Oliver Cromwell and his Puritan forces took over England in 1645. They vowed to rid England of decadence another one of those fabulous people. Aren't you glad these people exist? And so they decided to cancel Christmas. Once again, 
I am not a huge fan of being sort of boo-booed into having to celebrate things that I didn't necessarily want to sign up for, but I would never tell other people they can't have their fun. Like, why? And I will say this too, no matter how grumpy I've gotten about Christmas, there has never been a part of me that has been anything other than overjoyed to see the look on children's faces come Christmas time. Because that's, it's really kids who this thing is for, if we're being honest. You know, we put forth lights, we want to give them a sense of the magical. And I think there's something really beautiful about that. So, you know, yeah, we might have gone a little too far here, but, eh, there's some good in it. There's something to be said about it. Maybe. (laughs) Anyway, moving right along. So then... Washington Irving reinvents Christmas. So it wasn't until about 19th century that Americans began to embrace Christmas. Why do you think that was? The Puritans! Those, oh, such fun-loving folks decided to, I mean, you know, they land on the border and they're thinking, no, let's not have any fun. You better believe they didn't also bring any Christmas trees with them. So, but around the 19th century, Americans start to embrace Christmas. And Americans reinvent it and change it from like a carnival holiday into a family-centered day. And it's peaceful, and it's nostalgic. And in the 19th century, this is also a period of time when you start seeing, you know... So there's a period of class conflict coming around, and during this time there's unemployment that's really high, there's gang writing, and, you know, it disenchanted classes, and it often occurred during the Christmas season. So in 1828, the New York City Council instituted the city's first police force in response to a Christmas riot. That was a thing. So this catalyzed certain members of the upper classes to begin to change the way Christmas was celebrated in America. So, fun facts. And then, in the same time period, you've also got Charles Dickens, who writes A Christmas Carol. So now we're no longer in the U.S., where else we're here <laughs> over in England. Um, and so the story's message is, you know, of charity and goodwill and loving each other. And it's coming out in the Victorian society when family is also becoming less disciplined and less, uh, like, they're, they're opening up and being a little bit more warm and fuzzy with their children. So just as I said before, in my particular case, if there's one group of people I delight in celebrating Christmas with its children because as I mentioned they're just it's all trying to bring back the magical for them it it, it tickles their imagination um, and speaking of imagination that brings us to Santa Claus so the legend of Santa Claus evidently it can be traced back to a monk named Saint Nicholas so this part I knew what I didn't know was that this gentleman was born in Turkey around 280 AD Uh, Evidently, St. Nicholas gave away all of his inherited wealth, and he traveled the countryside helping poor people and sick people and uh, becoming known as the protector of children and sailors, which is an interesting combination. But anyway, so St. Nicholas enters American popular culture in the late 18th century, uh, primarily in New York. And then this is when Dutch families are starting to honor the anniversary of the death of St. Nicholas. Dutch for Saint or Saint Nicholas, so Dutch for Saint Nicholas. Um, anyway, so moving on. In 1822, Episcopal minister Clement Clark Moore wrote a Christmas poem called "An Account of a Visit from Saint Nicholas," 
more popularly known today by its first line, "'Twas the night before Christmas." The poem depicted Santa Claus as a jolly man who flies from home to home on a sled that's driven by reindeer to deliver toys to children all over the world. And then, of course, this builds up its own kind of momentum, and hence we have Santa Claus. So if we pull all of this together, we basically have hundreds of years of people. Let's see, I mean, just when I'm looking at this, how many hundreds are we looking at? Uh, well, let's see. Well, it's been a federal holiday in the United States since 1870. That's a thing. So at the very least, it's been that old. But if you consider that the winter solstice was celebrated in a very similar fashion to the way we celebrate Christmas today, we're talking about hundreds, plural, of years that human beings have been gathering together to basically be a bunch of goofballs. Hundreds of years. I mean, come on, we're talking Rome, folks. Hello. So this all was very helpful for me. Me, like I said, the bah humbug highly sensitive introvert who's just sort of like, meh. Um, there was a really great meme that I saw, and it's got an image of, I don't know if any of you have ever seen the movie Elf, but it's got an image of him, and then below it, an image of someone from Game of Thrones, I believe. And it says, there are two kinds of people come Christmas. One, and it shows a picture of Elf, and he's saying, Christmas is coming! And the other is, and it shows a very dark picture of one of the characters in Game of Thrones, and he says, winter is coming, Christmas is coming. Um, <laughs> take a guess as to which one you think I am. Anyway, so, uh, give, all of this was kind of useful for me, because I am I figure if I've already made peace with winter, what could be the harm in making peace with Christmas? And for all this time, all the time that I've spent sort of building, you know, getting older, I've assumed that Christmas was something that's been building momentum and getting increasingly saturated in commercialism and hedonism and, yeah, hedonism. Like, just over-the-top celebration. And given that I now know this has been a thing for many, many, many years, it's easier for me to relax into it and to kind of go, you know, maybe there is just something really primal about wanting to celebrate in a time of sort of a dark, drab, uh, closed-in experience. Because when it's cold out there, never are you going to be more grateful for warmth in here. And when it's dark out there, it can feel really nice when you've lit a fire in here. And metaphorically speaking, I guess you could say that's what we do. Now, having said all of that and giving Christmas a kind of like a pat on the back, I will say we, here's the stuff I don't like about it, even with all of the knowing of the history and all of that. So we've got Black Friday. So that's the day that's right after Thanksgiving in America. So if you're listening from outside of the United States. So Black Friday is the day after Thanksgiving and it's when all of these incredible deals are. So a lot of people, the day after Christ, or after Thanksgiving, they get up and they go Christmas shopping. But as you might imagine, I am not one of them. There's also Cyber Monday, so that's the Monday after Thanksgiving when people all decide to order a bunch of stuff online. And evidently there's Super Saturday. I just found this out yesterday. I, I think it's been a thing much, much, much longer, but Super Saturday is the Saturday right before Christmas Eve. And 
it appears to be the day when Americans spend more than any other day in the year. Which, again, there's something ugh, about that. It's evidently when companies all over the country are all sort of gathering together to desperately try and get people to spend as much money on their product as possible. And it's kind of wild. We really have reached a point where we're so easily marketed to or manipulated. I don't know. So the upside to Christmas from what I can, where I'm coming from here when I say, hey, Christmas isn't all bad. We do have a primal desire to celebrate one another and celebrate that we're all here. It's cold out there and we found a warm spot to hold on to each other in here. I'm not crazy about the fact that we, I guess, capitalism, and don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting capitalism is the enemy here, but the shadow side of capitalism is that it can get a little over the top, and it has kind of hijacked that primal desire, and in some ways it can turn it into something that's ugly. I mean, when you start seeing stampedes of people running over each other to get a flat screen TV, you know something's gone very, very wrong. So anyway, that's my diatribe there, but that part's over. Uh, I'm sharing all of this with you, my dear, highly sensitive people and introverts, partially just on on a whim, thinking that maybe, just maybe, I might not be the only highly sensitive introvert out there who's thinking, bah humbug, as Christmas gets closer. Because if you are feeling that way, and you're a highly sensitive person, you might be feeling what I like to call ambivalence. Because on the one hand, of course, at least the highly sensitive people I know, they tend to be very generous, either generous with their resources and or generous with their time, which is a resource. They tend to be empathetic. So the idea of giving forth of yourself or another, well, that's kind of, that's a big part of how many highly sensitive people operate. And not all, again, HSPs are not perfect. I would say introverts, that's, I mean, introverts are just as capable of being kind as any robust and gregarious extrovert. There's no distinction there. So it's almost as though highly sensitive people in particular get a little about Christmas because they're sort of hands on their hips, tapping their foot going, really? I've been doing this all year long and you're, you think you should pat yourself on the back because you decided to figure out how to do this one day? Really? But it, it's worth celebrating that we do that at all. Maybe it is only one day out of the year, but what's the problem with wanting to celebrate on any day of the year? Celebrate each other. So again, the first thing, reason I wanted to do this for, in a, on a podcast for highly sensitive people is, hey, kiddos, if you're out there and you're feeling like, damn, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I really am not crazy about this holiday, you are not alone. There are many of us that are all kind of, you know, hanging out in our own corners, politely nodding our head along to Christmas carols and thinking, oh, I can't wait until December 26th. And also, I'm also doing this to say, hey, if you're feeling particularly nauseous, it's worth thinking about the fact that this is something that's been happening. Well, I don't know if I would say from the beginning of time of human beings, that's really, you know, dramatic but for a really long, long time, all over the world. So if we're just going to sit back and go because of Christmas, maybe we ought to keep ourselves in check. 
maybe we don't want to be, in other words, those Puritans who are sitting back thinking, you were the father of the father and your stupid Christmas lights and your stupid Christmas. You don't want to be that guy. Like, don't be that guy. Just don't be that guy. Um, and I guess just in order to survive Christmas or maybe even thrive during Christmas, think about how you might develop routines or rituals that look like you. What does generosity look like to you? What does celebration look like to you? What would a celebration that felt really authentic look like? How would you facilitate it? Who would you invite? And then on top of that, maybe consider, you know, when you're thinking about the people that you love, who are the people that you most appreciate? And maybe you're not crazy about the exchange of tangible gifts, but what might be an experience that you could share together? What could you gift them that would feel authentic from you? If you're naturally a generous spirit, what's something special that you could do on this one day? If you're the type of person who feels like, dang it, but I'm always this person. I don't feel like I have to wait until Christmas to do something nice for you. Awesome. That is a fabulous quality. But what's something special that you could do just on or during this particular time of year? So I invite you to basically not fall into the trap that I've fallen into and assume that Christmas is inherently good or inherently bad, in my case, and just embrace, instead of thinking about, oh God, an over-commercialized holiday, think to yourself, oh, this is just one more way that a group of people celebrates the fact that we're still here even though it's cold out there. We found a way to, you know, we have shelter from the elements. That's worth celebrating. And we've got people in our lives that are worth buying gifts for. That seems like it's worth celebrating. But celebrate it in a way that feels like you, that looks like you. That's my invitation for you. And if you can't, well then, I suggest you gift yourself with the best Christmas present imaginable. Gift yourself with solitude. Say to your loved ones, I love you. It's wonderful that you're in my life. And the best gift you're going to give to me is the gift of serenity. I will see you next week. <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts on this matter. I mean, what do you, how do you guys feel about Christmas? Is there, are folks out there, do you tend to feel like, ah, oh, Christmas is awesome. What's wrong with you, Leah? This is an incredible holiday. Or are you kind of like me where you're like, eh. I mean, I survive it, and there are some good things about it, but I could live without it. <laughs> if I could escape it, I would. Where do you fall on that spectrum? And if you don't mind me asking, what's your favorite holiday? I mean, my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. And, you know, funny thing is the history of Thanksgiving is atrocious. It's wrought with violence and, and suffering and imperialism, and I could go on and on and on. And then it evolved into a celebration of gratitude and a celebration of one another. And it's almost the inverse here. I feel like Christmas, or rather the celebration that has been happening for millennia, it started as something really lovely and beautiful, and maybe it's just morphed into something that I don't resonate with as much. Anyway, what's your favorite holiday? Are you more of a, let's celebrate Independence Day of my country kind of person? Are you a Halloween kind of person? Like, what is it that tickles your, your funny bone? Or are you someone that just kind of wants to avoid all the holidays altogether? I mean, what's your style? If you just want to write to me, I'd love to hear. 
It's Leah at thehealthysensitive.com. In terms of a little bit of, uh, I guess I'll say housekeeping, I'll let you know that there is, I'm still working on the, so it's a course that's coming up. I've already got some pilot courses that I'm working on. I'm, I'm producing about one a month at this point. But on top of that, I'm doing a live course. It's going to be four, uh, not four seminars, four individual, four sessions. So you, it's live, so I'll be in a time and place, and we will all be connected, and it's online. You call in through Zoom, and I'll be talking in great detail about how to get great sleep. So it's how do you improve your chances of, of getting really good sleep, how do you navigate it, uh, like improve on your experience when you can't get that sleep? And what do you do to rest when sleep eludes you? So it's sort of like, you know, how do you navigate? How do you improve your chances of getting better sleep? How do you navigate and manage yourself when sleep eludes you? And how do you get rest and like change your relationship with sleeplessness, in other words? So keep your eye out for that. I'm going to be doing that in March. So... I'm not kind of making it align with um, National Sleep Awareness Month because that's a thing, which I thought was just perfect. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for that. I'm, I'm got most of the bones in place, but I'll be putting out a registration form and inviting people to sign up uh, in the near future, probably in the next week or two. And as always, if you just want to check in, if you want to join the community, you can uh, go online to my website. It's www.thehealthysensitive.com. Uh, and you click on memberships and all of the things that I talk about in my podcast, I go into a little bit more detail in the community. And then anytime you're a part of that community, you get access to any of my uh, self-paced online courses as well. So, and then of course you can pay for any one of those courses sort of a la carte if you don't want to pay every month for a membership. So whatever works well for you. And of course, as I said, if you just want to send me a quick email just because you had a question or a thought or you just wanted to connect, don't hesitate to reach out. Leah at thehealthysensitive.com. Yeah, I guess that's it for this week. And I look forward to checking in next week. And we'll be talking about, you know, I'll I'll, I'll talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions and the the balance of outcomes versus balance versus, well, outcomes versus looking at the process versus so on. How do you be successful with developing resolutions that you'll actually stick to? Anyway, I've mumbled on and on. Have a fabulous week. I hope you wish you very happy holidays, whatever holidays that you do or do not celebrate. And if, well, I don't have to say in a happy new year, I will check in with you before the new year. Take good care, everyone.